It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Connor Newcomb, host of Locked On Orioles here with the host of Locked On Pirates, Ethan Smith, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. little crossover episode, uh, you know, in the vein of, hey, spring training game starts Sunday, and uh, it's Orioles and Pirates to kick off the spring training season for each team on Sunday, February 28th. So, Ethan, you know, we thought we'd uh, do a little crossover here. Maybe not a full preview of a game because uh, it is just spring training, but uh Look at two teams that that might be fighting uh, for the number one pick next year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I'd say you guys probably have the better chance just because if you look at the AL East versus the NL Central, I think it's pretty apparent that the Yankees, Blue Jays, and Red Sox and Rays are better than the Cubs, Brewers, Reds, and uh, Cardinals right now. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, yeah definitely a good point that – uh. You know, I think a lot of people were upset with the Orioles having the 0.0% uh, playoff odds from fan graphs while the Pirates got 0.1. All of that has to do with the fact that, I mean, if you look at this offseason, you could argue that only one team in the NL Central act- actively tried to get better, and that was the Cardinals trading for Arenado. Oh, yeah. Whereas in the AL East, I mean, you have four teams, arguably, depending on what happens with Chris Sale and what the Red Sox look like that think they could make the playoffs this year and potentially win the world series. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And it's also crazy too, because I just realized while we were doing this, that we actually play each other like a lot of times in the spring. Like we play Sunday, then we play March 7th, March 11th, March 15th, March 19th, March 22nd, March 25th and March 28th. So the Baltimore Orioles and the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to get really familiar with each other for literally no reason because I don't think we play each other in the regular season either. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, they're in the same pod, I believe, that they're doing for spring training. I think it's six teams that are all going to play each other. Orioles, Phillies, uh, Yankees, Pirates, uh, Blue Jays, and I believe one more team is is in that pod. Um, I want to say but, it's Detroit. Yeah, yeah, it is Detroit. You're right. Um, but, you know, we will, uh, we'll get baseball on Sunday. Uh, I know neither team, I believe, has released a spring training broadcast schedule, so we're not exactly sure uh, if this game will be watchable or not. Uh, but, you know, there'll be baseball being played, and, and someone will know what's going on at least. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to open with this. This is definitely going to be a weird spring training um, because we know, you know, every team will probably cut back a little bit on how much they're broadcasting uh, mm-hmm. these games just because of the lack of people they can have down there. And not many teams have beat writers down there So do you kind of feel like as fans and as people who kind of cover the team from more of afar, it kind of feels like to me, we're going to have probably the least access to spring training of maybe the last like 10 or so years. I don't know if you kind of feel the same way about this spring training. 
Um, so for the Pirates, I do know, I think we have like three guys that I've seen that have been down there, like three separate beat, uh, beat writers. You have Dejan, uh, I can't ever pronounce his last name. I think it's Kovacinich. I think it's, it's like Polish, so I can't ever pronounce it. Jason Mackey's also down there. And then I can't remember who the third guy was, but I've been seeing on my like Twitter feed on Locked on Pirates that they've been posting about like our top prospects, getting a lot of defensive reps and stuff. So I don't exactly know for the Orioles side of things, how many guys you guys have down there. But I mean, I think most of the Pittsburgh beat writers were very happy that they were told that they could go because they were like, Oh, cool. I get to leave 20 degree weather in like two feet of snow to go to Bradenton, Florida, where it's probably like 75, 80 degrees today. Like I'm in Savannah and it's like 74 today. So, I mean, they're probably loving that, but I mean, yeah, you're not wrong though. It's going to be a very different, spring training especially for our respective teams because if any games get broadcast on like espn or stuff like that they're not exactly going to go and choose the pirates and the orioles as the first two teams that they're going to show they're going to show like the padres the yankees the cubs the cardinals teams like that that are going to get you a lot of revenue and people watching just because it's the yankees yeah exactly and and so we kind of look at at these two teams and it's kind of like, well, you know, it's most people would say that these are the two teams, the Orioles and the Pirates, who will finish with the worst records in their respective leagues and will be fighting it out for that number one pick probably by the end of the season. But there's still high points for each of these teams. So, you know, who who on the Pirates, you know, at least can get fans excited to watch this season considering it already wasn't looking good. And then, of course, the Pirates, you know, made their deals this offseason, shipped off Musgrove, shipped off Jameson Tyon. Uh, so who is still there uh, that is exciting for Pirates fans and, and baseball fans? So the boring answer is always going to be Cabrian Hayes. I, I say that it's just the boring answer because that's what any Pirates fan will tell you. He's probably going to win NL Rookie of the Year this year. He's still eligible for it. Uh, he hit 376 last year with 85 at-bats and one September Rookie of the Year. He's clearly the guy at third base. He's going to play there all the time, even with the Todd Frazier acquisition. He's probably just going to, like, fill in whenever Hayes is, like, fatigued and stuff. But if you go outside of Key Brian Hayes, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what Cole Tucker does again. They kind of experimented with him in the outfield. He's also dating Vanessa Hudges, so he's already winning off the field. He just has to bring some of that winning product on the field now. Uh, it'll be nice to see if Brian Reynolds can get back to his 300 hitting ways. He never had a season at any level of baseball where he did not hit under 300 until last year. Um, Gregory Polanco will likely be in his last year in Pittsburgh. As far as prospects go, though, I mean, I had Anthony Alford on the pod last week. He'll be interesting to watch, former Toronto Blue Jay. We also just signed Dustin Fowler, so he'll be interesting to see how he does in uh, Pittsburgh outside of Oakland, where he just never really got his footing. Um, and then, I mean, some of the guys are just going to be like next year, like Nick Gonzalez, our seventh overall pick last year. He will probably be next year. Um, Quinn Priester, who's just jumped on up every prospect board that you can imagine. So realistically for the Pirates, it's about Key Brian Hayes, Probably Mitch Keller, Brian Reynolds, and Cole Tucker. I'd say those are the four guys that you really need to watch. Yeah, on the Orioles side, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. You know, they have Ryan Mountcastle, who is not probably on the level across baseball that Key Brian Hayes is, but he's turned himself into a top 100 prospect. Uh, he showed up in most of those lists this offseason. He came up about halfway through 2020 um, and just continued to hit. And I think on 
the AL side, he's one of the favorites for AL rookie of the year. So it is, there's a pretty good potential that each of these teams get the rookies of the year. Um, if, if Mount Castle and Hayes kind of live up to it. The other good thing for the Orioles right now is as opposed to the pirates, some of their prospects are a little bit closer um, and probably a little more likely to play in 2021, um, which does make it a little more exciting. But of course, obviously the big Orioles story is that Trey Mancini is returning this year. Um, he seems to be fully healthy after being diagnosed um, with colon cancer last year, right around this time, uh, yeah. went through his treatment, uh, went through his chemo. He's cancer free and he's in spring training and ready to go. And of course he was an all-star snub in 2019. The last time we saw him on the field uh, played at an all-star level all year. And so that's kind of the, the question. And, and of course, you know, if he continues to hit like that, he turns into will the Orioles trade him uh, because he's probably the best asset they have on the team. But the hope around Baltimore is that he sticks it out for the long haul and maybe is still here when the Orioles are good, but, but he's definitely the, the most watchable guy, um, him and, and Ryan Mountcastle. And then there's definitely some kind of interesting pieces, but, you know, when we watch these spring training games, you know, especially for rebuilding teams, teams that are going to finish in last you're, you're watching for two things. You're watching for the prospects who won't be on the opening day roster. You want to see them face mm -hmm. major league pitching or for the pitchers face major league hitters. And then the other thing is, you know, you still have position battles at the major league level. And sometimes they're between young guys and veterans. Is there kind of one or, or two maybe big position battles that you're kind of looking for from the Pirates starting Sunday? There's one, and it's really the only one, I would say. And that's going to be the middle infield. If there's one thing the Pirates have right now that's in abundance, it's middle infielders because we still have yet to trade Adam Frazier, who is expecting to be traded already based off of a comment he made the other day. Uh, you have Kevin Newman, whose bat has been inconsistent since he got to the major league level. Not a bad defensive second baseman. And then even to add to that, you have Philip Evans, who's a utility guy that can play anywhere in the infield or the outfield. And that's just at second base. And then you also have Cole Tucker, who's looking to prove himself at the age of 24, by the way, already almost in a make or break year. Eric Gonzalez, not Nick Gonzalez, Eric Gonzalez, 28-year-old shortstop, who's been pretty off and on for the Pirates and even if he gets the chance on Yale Cruz is there big prospect had that stuff happen in the Dominican Republic where he got in a car wreck and everything it was like I think it was a DUI but then they said it wasn't a DUI but he is at spring training and then Wilmer Defoe who was came over from Washington in the offseason as well so I just named what seven or eight guys in the middle infield that are fighting for two spots maybe four if you're counting the backups um, so that's kind of that. And then center field is probably the other one. Uh, Anthony Alford right now is kind of like the consensus to start. You also have Brian Goodwin, who we picked up also from the Nationals and the Angels. Um, Dustin Fowler could enter that mix now. And even Philip Evans or Cole Tucker, if they decide to go to the outfield, can enter that mix. But outside of that, you kind of already know your pitching rotation because it's absolutely terrible. You already know who's going to be there. You know who your catcher, your third baseman, and your first baseman are. You know who your corner outfielders are. You just got to figure out the middle. Yeah, the the Orioles are actually in a, in a similar boat. Uh, not so much in the middle infield. They got Freddie Galvis and they got Yomer Sanchez this offseason. Two guys who had been starting uh, middle infielders on other teams over the past mm -hmm. couple of years. They're going to fit in right at, at shortstop and second because they got rid of their shortstop and second baseman from last year. They traded Jose Iglesias to the Angels. Yep. Uh, and they non-tender Hanser Alberto as well, who 
uh, signed a minor league deal with the Royals a couple weeks ago. But uh, center field for the Orioles is probably the biggest um, battle. And it's actually funny because the Orioles' two biggest positional battles are both between players who are going to be on the major league roster no matter what. So it's not as much of a, you know, if you don't get that job, you're going to be in AAA. It's, you know, who's going to get more at bat. So in center field, it's two young guys, Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins. Uh, Cedric, yeah, Austin Hayes came up in in 2017. uh, In hindsight, came up too early uh, in 2017 and struggled a bit and then did not get back in the majors at all uh, in 2018. He spent the whole year at at the minor leagues and people kind of could tell that they maybe brought him up a little early. And then he came back in 19 and he was back up in 20 and pretty good. And then Cedric Mullins has had such a, a crazy ride. He came up in 2018 uh, near the end of the season and was basically being put out as the replacement for Adam Jones. Uh, he Mullins came up, played center field, actually moved Adam Jones to right field for the final month of his Orioles career. And then Mullins forgot how to hit for a year. He opened 2019 as the opening day center fielder literally got one or two hits in like a month, got sent down and never came back up, ended the year at double A in 2019, and then had a really up and down 2020 season. So it's kind of between these two guys who have had a lot of hype and neither of them has grabbed the job. They seem to get the job and then give it to the other one, whether they get hurt or forget how to hit again. And so that's going to be really interesting because there's no one pushing them behind really to take a roster spot. It's more so between those two, who's going to grab the job. And then kind of the same thing at catcher is really interesting because every catcher who's in the Orioles system knows that Adley Rutschman exists and that if things go well for the Orioles, they're not going to be a starting catcher in Baltimore. They're all gunning for the number two catcher job starting in 2022, which is when I think Adley will be the opening day starting catcher. But right now the Orioles have Pedro Severino and Chance Sisko who have kind of been their two catchers for the last two years. And it's kind of like battle it out and find out who's going to be Adley's backup next year, which is kind of a really interesting battle because they're battling for a starting spot for this year. Well, knowing that that job is not going to be available yeah. next year. And it's just going to be for a roster spot uh, going into next season, but um, it definitely makes it interesting. And, and then of course the Orioles are going to have, as I assume the pirates will just a whole bunch of prospects varying in levels of hype, um, who are all going to get at bats and innings this uh, spring training and basically kind of let them go at it and 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 yeah. see what they can do. I'm sure the Pirates have a lot of guys like that too. Well, and it's crazy because like what a lot of people I think tend to forget is especially with guys like Nick Gonzalez, who was our top pick last year, they didn't get to play minor league baseball last year. So this is really the first time that, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and all these teams that need these guys to like progress really well are going to get to see them finally play. It's it's really interesting to talk like think and talk about. Like I don't remember who you guys drafted last year for some reason off the top of my head, but he didn't get to play last year. And uh can you remind me who it was? Yeah, so the Orioles took Heston Kerstad with the number That's, 2 overall pick yeah. out of Arkansas. Oh yeah, and um but yeah, you guys are going to get to see him play. And you didn't get to see that last year. And it's also crazy, too, that, I mean, you see all the influx of different teams changing the different affiliates, and like in minor league baseball, like closest to me, I stay in Savannah, Georgia. The Augusta Green Jackets for the longest time have been the San Francisco Giants affiliate. They're now an affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. 
So you really don't even know where some of these guys are going to be. Like, if you ask me to tell you where Nick Gonzalez, who was a first-round pick in 2020, is going to start a season this year, I couldn't tell you. He could be playing in single A. He could be playing in triple A. It just all depends on how it goes. But that's the beauty of rooting for teams like this when you're here is you really get to know not only your MLB roster, but you get to know the guys before they even come up. And when they get that first major league hit or first major league strikeout, you appreciate it even more because you watched him play in spring training in 2021 before he was even close to being a major leaguer. Yeah, it's true. And and the other thing with guys being on these rebuilding teams, you've got so much of a better shot to make an impact in spring training, especially even guys who are, you know, not maybe your top prospects, but guys like, like Dustin Fowler, for example, who, you know, come into your organization and you know it hasn't worked out in their last two organizations but now they're in a perfect spot where they go from a winning team to a team that's going to finish in last and maybe it's their chance to kind of show out in spring training win a job is there you know it always seems like on teams like this there's there's one or two players who really show out in spring training and not a lot of fans of other teams maybe know them and all of a sudden they earn themselves a roster spot do you feel like the pirates have maybe one or two guys like that who you think might kind of be the the sleeper guy in spring training who realizes that there's spots to be had if I hit or pitch well and, and kind of grabs one of those spots. Not as far as grabbing spots this year, but propelling themselves for next year, I would think. Uh, Quinn Priester obviously comes to mind. I mean, the kid has literally just like off, been off the wall in terms of like rising up prospect boards. And then you have to look at some of the guys that we picked up in these trades, like Will Crow who is already, I believe, 26 from Nationals trade for Josh Bell. He has to, like, kind of say, okay, do I want to be the fifth pitcher in this rotation now after the pickup of Tyler Anderson? Like, you kind of already know your top four, who's getting number five. Another guy that's there, and this is kind of going back to a position battle thing, but I don't think it's that big of a position battle, is Miguel Yahure. I know you're very familiar with him because you played against him last year when he was at the Yankees. He actually got some time because of all the injuries. So now he goes to a pirate system where there's not necessarily injuries, but it's not as good as pitching. So he could very well be up there in the major league level. Um, as I mean, Travis Swaggerty, who I've also had on my podcast, outfielder, we need the outfield prospects to really be good with Polanco probably leaving. Jared Oliva was a fringe MLB player last year. He could potentially come up as a backup outfielder. There's just a lot of guys. I mean, I could probably give you a better answer three games in, four games in maybe, but I'm hoping for Mitch Keller. Like, you're anybody that knows me, I love Mitch Keller to death, but he has had the weirdest first two seasons of any rookie MLB pitcher I've ever seen in my life. He yeah, doesn't necessarily play bad. He just is the fault of a bad team. Yeah, you, you and you'll get guys like that in these rebuilds too where it's like, man, if, if this exact same prospect were on this exact same trajectory was coming up with the Dodgers instead of the Orioles or the yeah. Pirates, you know, how would their life change right now? How would their production change? It, it's something that I think about, especially with pitchers, um, with the Orioles. The, the O's kind of have a similar guy to what you talked about, you know, more about the guys coming over in the trades. Uh, Jemai Jones was a the guy they got from the Angels uh, straight up in the trade that sent Alex Cobb uh, over to Anaheim uh, about a month ago. And, uh, you know, he's pretty interesting because – At one point in 2017, he was the Angels' top prospect in their system. And then as he rose in the ranks of the minor leagues, I think his ability to hit, people started thinking a little less and less of it. 
So by the time he was traded, he was the Angels' number seven prospect. So he was actually a guy who got to number one, but then couldn't get to the big leagues and started falling back down um, their prospect list. He's been converted from a center fielder to a second baseman, which is a little intriguing and, and a little concerning because they really didn't think he could play center. Uh, and so now he's with the Orioles, where there are some infield spots open, at least utility infield spots. He made his major league debut last year and played in three games. Uh, so, you know, he, he's on the 40-man roster. And, uh, you know, he, he'll probably spend a lot of time in AAA. But he's an interesting guy because he's this, like, freak athlete um, who has changed his swing up apparently about six or seven times in the Angels organization. And they think this last swing change was finally the one that did it for him, but he wasn't able to show it off because there was no minor league season last year. Yeah. And so he was showing it off in the alternate site. But of course we know what the angels have in their lineup. There just wasn't room for Jemai Jones to get called up. Um, and so he comes over to the Orioles. So that's definitely um, an intriguing guy, but, but Ethan, I, I feel like, you know, the, the, the part of this that, that we wanted to get together and do this crossover to, to kind of finish up here wasn't just about, you know, the Orioles and the Pirates opening up spring training against each other Sunday. It's that both teams will probably finish in last. Both teams are rebuilding. And both teams have dealt away even more of their veterans and their top players this offseason. You know, the, the Pirates sending Josh Bell away and, and, and sending Musgrove and, and Tyon away. And the Orioles, you know, Jose Iglesias, not like he was a career Oriole, but he had an incredible season last year. They'd trade him away. Uh, Alex Cobb, again, not a career Oriole, but a veteran who was important to that staff. He gets traded away. Um, where is kind of the mindset from Pirates fans at this point? Because I know they're a little bit behind as far the a little bit behind the Orioles as far as where their top prospects are, but both teams are kind of in the same boat at the major league level at this point. So what's the feeling? Is it, you know, we're tired of of getting rid of these players we love, or is it excitement for the future at this point? So there's two uh, two audiences in Piratesville. You have the journalistic side of Pittsburgh Pirates fans and the kind of more of level-headed side, which is like me and other people that cover the Pirates that say Ben Charrington is actually doing a fabulous job right now. He's pretty much doing the same thing he did in Boston in 2012 and 2011 that led to a 2013 World Series. He is a mounting talent. He uh, got 16 prospects in acquisitions this year. And then you have the other side. It's like, why are we trading all these players? Bob Nutting never puts money into the team. We have a lower payroll than Trevor Bauer's contract, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, that same thing. But I understand it from both sides because the Pirates haven't won anything since 2015. And it's been a hot minute. But you also have to realize now that this management is a lot different than the last one. Neil Huntington from 2013 to 2015, when he had Andrew McCutcheon in his prime and all was basically a couple games away from almost an NLCS appearance, decided, you know what? I'm not going to add to this team. Let's just run it back. The biggest acquisition he ever made during that entire, like entirety of those three years was Marlon Bird at the trade deadline. I think when the time comes, which I think it'll be 2023, which, yes, I know to any of my Pirates fans listening, that's two years from now, uh, almost three. I think that's when you're really going to see Ben Charrington make moves that are going to make Pirate fans happy. I don't know who the free agents are in 2023, but with the amount of talent that he's amounted and the amount of prospects he has, 
you have so I think you have 16 of your top 30 prospects or pitchers. Maybe three or four of those guys pan out. But what do you do with the other 12? You trade them for talented players that are ready to play at the major league level. It's a process. And even he doesn't know where it's going yet because he has to see this talent that he's accumulated move forward. So for me, and I would say most Pirate fans, watch this season with not a grain of salt, but just pay more attention to individual performances rather than seeing how the team does. Because I'm telling you, Mitch Keller could be 5-15 and 15 this year with a 3.9 ERA. And you know what I'm going to look at? The ERA. Because that means he only allowed four runs a game, which is not bad. Because I don't think there's going to be one pitcher on the entire like roster this year that's going to have a winning record. That's just how it is. But when you look at it in a certain light, some people just want to see team performance and winning. I'm looking at individuals and how they will play and how they will grow and move forward. Yeah, the same kind of thing happening with the Orioles. I think 2023 is also kind of the Orioles' target date to, to get back to – to that and you, and you talk about you know the other guys in the system that's exactly what the Orioles have now the Orioles have their best system they've ever had uh they were ranked by baseball america's seventh best system uh, it's the first time they've ever been in the top 10 uh since any of those outlets starting put it started putting together you know top 30 system rankings uh the Orioles are in the top 10 for the first time and so you know they've got these top guys Adley Rutschman you know the hope is he's an all-star an MVP candidate a hall of famer you know whatever it may be the number one overall pick uh, they've got two pitchers in D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez, who are both top 100 guys in Major League Baseball, and they hope can be their one-two of their rotation in a couple of years. But they've got a whole bunch of prospect depth that they've never had before. And so the point is, like, all these guys aren't going to be Orioles. But when the Orioles start winning again, all these guys could be major leaguers on other teams eventually because the Orioles traded them for actual major league players on these other teams that that helped them win. And, you know, for the Orioles, it is kind of the same thing, though, as the Pirates, you know, with the cost cutting and and what that, you know, payroll is right now. I mean, they brought in names like Matt Harvey and Felix Hernandez this offseason, which is cool. It'd be much cooler if that was five years ago, obviously. But, uh, you know, those guys are coming in on minor league deals. You know, you're not breaking the bank for big name free agents. You're just signing guys who are kind of over the hill and used to be big names. And, you know, the Orioles were even asking guys like Trey Mancini, and Anthony Santander, probably the two best hitters in their lineup, uh, to defer some of their salary to 2022 to lower and even incredibly low already payroll. So it's 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 such a give and take with, you know, we're excited about these prospects, these players coming in, the future looks bright, but you could be trying a little bit harder to r- right now to put at least a somewhat watchable product on the field before these guys are ready. And it does kind of feel like both teams are, are in a similar boat where, you feel like the management is doing the right thing when it comes to getting prospects, but maybe not 100% the right thing in, you know, at least giving the fans something in these couple of years until yeah. hopefully, you know, both teams, both teams kind of came back at the same time, you know, back in that 2012, 2013, uh, when both these teams finally started winning again. The hope is that both of them show up together again. You know, we're hoping 2023, uh, but you know, a lot of fans would, would like something a little bit more watchable until then. Oh yeah. And uh, I mean, too, for both of these teams, I, I had a little uh, joke for you that I think would be great. Imagine 2024, keep in mind the pirates have the number one pick and the Orioles have the number five pick in this draft. I believe. Could you imagine Kumar rocker in black and gold versus his, his college teammate, Jack later in orange and black playing against each other in the world series in 2024. I'll take that. I will take that every day of the week. 
I mean, it's it sucks to not get Kumar, but if the or if I don't, I'm not sure Jack Leiter is going to fall to five at this point. But if he does, uh, the Orioles would definitely. There's I, I had talked about up. it yesterday on my pod as well. Uh, MLB uh, Pipeline actually has Jaden Hill ranked over Jack Leiter right now. Wow. I mean, I love Jaden Hill, but get, get give me Jack Leiter falling down that board to five, um, yeah. and the Orioles would definitely take him. But Ethan, we've got baseball on Sunday. Uh, it might not count for much. Um, but to be honest, the 162 in the regular season isn't going to count for very much for either of these teams, it seems like, either. So uh, we'll soak in any game we get. Spring training, 1 o'clock Eastern time, Sunday, Pirates and Orioles to kick off the 2021 Major League Spring training. Uh, we hope this helped you get a little bit of a feel for two rebuilding teams kind of uh, in the same boat. And it, uh, it, it feels like, you know, our two teams, Ethan, are going to have a, a, a little bit of a bond like that for the next couple of seasons uh, where we're, we're kind of kind of going through the same kind of things oh yeah more than likely yeah it'll be fun though it will be fun hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today